welcome to all you wizards, witches, muggles and squibs out there and welcome to a new edition of Potter Jewels, a Harry Potter podcast debating theories and ideas while trying to provide some light in the darkness. I'm your host, Tim, and alongside me, as always, my brother, Martin. Hey. You can get in contact with the show in a number of ways. You can contact us on Twitter, at PotterJewels, that's P-O-T-T-E-R-D-U-E-L-S, or one word. And don't forget to vote on the polls that we put up every, after every episode. Email us at PotterJewels at Hotmail.com, or you can contact us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash PotterJewels. Firstly, congratulations are in order, as I believe you finally won a, a debate. Thank you very much. Delighted where the people have uh, decided that uh, Minerva McGonagall was a, a greater, uh, you know, a greater underappreciated character, which is a bit of an oxymoron, than, uh, than Arthur Weasley. Must be chuffed. Yeah, delighted with that. Yeah, yeah. Good, to, good to get the first one. And last. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Though. I mean, mm. like two very underappreciated mm. characters and, you know, nice to see that McGonagall got the edge on this one. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm thinking I'm taking the ultimate victory because Arthur Weasley was even underappreciated in the underappreciated poll. There you go, you can't look <laughs> at it that way. Today we start an eight-part mission to decide, you know, if you could read the Harry Potter books from a different character's perspective, who would you want it to be narrated by? So do you want to see, uh, for instance, Prisoner of Azkaban from Lupin's perspective? Or Snape's perspective. Uh, I think I think we will set some some sort of ground rules in that nobody wants to hear any book told from Umbridge's perspective. Absolutely not. We're going book by book, starting with obviously the Philosopher's Stone, and then ultimately at the you know after we've done all seven books, we will tie a bow on it with a special on you know okay if you could take one character for the seven year period, who would you want it to be? And to make it a little bit stricter, once you use a character for one book, you can't use them for another book. Agreed? Yep, agreed. Essentially, we're going to be like, you know, character and then the title of the book. So, you know, blank, blank, and the Philosopher's Stone, blank, blank, and the Chamber of Secrets. Obviously, first book, Philosopher's Stone. So, you know, complete the title, blank, blank, and the Philosopher's Stone. Okay, uh, I'm going to argue for Hermione Granger and the Philosopher's Stone. Interesting, interesting. I think the Philosopher's Stone is an important book for Hermione, and I would like to see it from her perspective. I mean, if we kind of just go through chronologically, obviously we see her being told uh, that she was a witch. Mm-hmm. You know, it was McGonagall who went to her house, um, you know, and will have explained to her and her parents um, all about Hogwarts. And I think it would have been interesting to know a little bit about Hermione's reaction. Um, whether she, whether she believed it, whether, you know, the kind of things that she'd been able to make happen without knowing and, and for not knowing the reasons that they were happening. Um, and then I think, you know, going into Hogwarts, it would have been fascinating to see how she coped with that because, you know, it, it's easy to forget that at the start of it, she didn't have many friends. You know, she wasn't well liked. You know, she was perceived to be the insufferable know-it-all. Um, and she just didn't know, seem to know how to, to get on with people, um, mm. and, and make friends and be part of things. You know, I think we always see from Harry's eyes that Hogwarts is an incredibly warm place full of fun, laughter and friendship. Mm. And actually, I think, you know, for those first few months up until Halloween, it wasn't that for Hermione. You mm. know, um, you know, she seemed to be incredibly lonely. Uh, very isolated, and I think seeing the world of Hogwarts from that perspective would have been quite interesting. You know, she also has to, she's coming from a non-magical family, 
as well. So it's not like she has anything to to go on. She doesn't really have a support network. She doesn't know anyone there. She can't write to her parents to you know they wouldn't have the same understanding as as people who'd previously been to Hogwarts as well. So um, I think up until Halloween, it would have been a very different type of story in Hogwarts. Um, and then obviously the incident with the troll kind of changes everything for her a little bit. You know, she becomes friends with Harry and Ron um, and they, they start to become inseparable. Um, you know, she still has her, you know, incredible intelligence and drive and determination for the classroom, but she also matches that by having some, some fun and some adventures outside of the classroom as well, Harry and Ron. So the book really does start to turn for her at that point. Um, you know, and, and the three of them embark on their, their mission to, to protect the Philosopher's Stone. And I would like to have seen her sort of start to work out some of the, the clues and, mm. you know, Nicholas Flamel. And then obviously it would have been, been great to have seen the, you know, the final challenges from her perspective as well, you know, getting through the trap door, um, you know, the, the chess match and their feelings about Ron sacrificing himself. And then, you know, working out the, the potions challenge as well. And then going back to, to find Dumbledore to, to tell him that, that Harry had gone after him. Um, mm. And I think putting all that against her, you know, the fact that she didn't want to break rules and she wasn't comfortable with it, but she still mm. started to, to put friendship above that. Um, it's not something she'd have done at the beginning of the book. And I think that's it's a real, that first book is, is quite a significant journey for her. Mm. Um, as well as having a very significant impact on the story. So um, I would like to have seen Hermione Granger and the Philosopher's Stone. I mean, I can't argue with it because, I mean, that, that would be a, a fascinating read. Uh, what I, you know, I think to, to add to a couple of your points, uh, I think it would have been very, very interesting to see her in Diagon Alley for the first time. Yep. Getting on to Platform 9 and 3 quarters and seeing the Hogwarts Express and the excitement. Yeah, I mean, I think at the beginning she feels a huge amount of pressure, mm. you know, and, and maybe it's from a household that there was a pressure, but, you know, or maybe it's just her, her characteristics, but she'd certainly read every textbook and wanted to to prove that she was, you know, an incredibly capable witch. Mm. And we finally might be able to see what actually is in Hogwarts of history. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, she, you know, she knew that off by heart, mm. so she'd be giving us some, uh, some more information on that. The other point I, I want to make as well is that I would really like to have heard what the sorting hat said to her. Yeah, yeah. You know, because we're told that there was a, you know, there was a significant period of time where the sorting hat was trying to choose between Gryffindor and Ravenclaw, mm. and hearing that conversation, and you know, we know the sorting hat takes the person's wishes into account as well. Mm. Hearing what she said to the sorting hat, what, what the sorting hat said to her. Mm. you know would have been really interesting i also think her perspective on quidditch both in terms of harry's uh assassination attempt <laughs> essentially by by quirrell but they believe to be snape but also that's the one thing she isn't good at and it's something you can't learn from books and it must have been a frustration for her yeah definitely but then i also think you look at that first flying lesson and how worried she is that harry will get into trouble yeah um 
And then, you know, you contrast that after the troll incident. Yeah. You know, and again, I think that's an important distinction. Yeah. How her mindset changes throughout the book. Yeah, you know, I think she realizes that being top of the class isn't enough for her to have a, you know, enjoyable time at all. Mm. No. I think once she sort of loosened up it, you know. Yeah, definitely. And also, she went home for Christmas, uh, as opposed to staying at Hogwarts. So seeing, um, I mean, Hermione pretty, you know, generally had pretty miserable Christmases after that point. Yeah, and, you know, we can also see that, you know, later on she chooses to spend the time with Harry and Ron. Mm. Um, you know, even not going on the skiing trip and everything, whereas that first yeah. Christmas she goes back home. So, um, again, just kind of showing that sort of character development there. Yeah, definitely. For you, when does the when does Hermione Granger and the Philosopher's Stone start? Well, I think Hermione's book would probably start with the visit from McGonagall. Um, I mean, it would have been really interesting to hear about the sort of magic she was doing unknowingly. Mm. Um, I think you could do a chapter on that, like, like similar yeah. to what you had with Harry, you know, talking about, you know, the haircut and the jumping on top of the roof and that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But then it, the the story would really start to get going with the the visit from McGonagall, and you know, I'd be interested to see whether, her, you know, how quickly she believed it, mm. um, and you know what her feelings were towards going to Hogwarts. I mean, Harry can't wait to go, mm. you know, because the environment in in which he grew up. Um, but you do have to, you know, it might potentially it was different. For yeah, did she have any friends that she was leaving? Yeah, know? any friends she was leaving, leaving her parents, you know, going into a, to a different world. Um, you know, I'm sure she was top of the class at her school, mm. but you know, not her, not necessarily knowing that she would be doing magic. I read a fan, uh, a, you know, a fan theory, um that before I visit to McGonagall she'd read the book Matilda and you know when she was moving things through with her mind she thought she was like Matilda so would you have something like that happen in her first chapter or would you um I yeah I, I you know I'd be interested to see the, the early stages of, mm. uh, of her magic and um you know because she was so intelligent whether she maybe started to to understand what might be happening or you know, being able to, to control it and use it to her advantage in some way. Mm. You know, Harry, you know, makes things happen when he's scared. Um, whereas you look at Tom Riddle and mm. he can do things even at that early age to, to his own advantage. And I think even McGonagall had began to learn to, to train it, you know, and tame it. Exactly. She was. Yeah. And I would imagine with Hermione's intelligence that that would be, that would be quite similar. And support from parents. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but as we get towards the, the later stages of the book, I agree. I think that it would also be interesting to see quite how mortified she is about being caught and losing those points with Gryffindor. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably the first time that's ever happened in her life. Mm. You know, and obviously, um, you know, Harry took the brunt of that one, but she'll have, you mm. know, encountered people saying things and, you know, you know, it, it we see even in the book that her character is affected mm. by it and, you know, she's less confident and doesn't, you know, answer everything straight away, tries to keep a low profile. Yeah. 
Um, but then obviously, you know, ultimately is redeemed mm. at the end of it. Yeah, I think it's the first time that, you know, everyone sort of shuns her, but she also has that moment where she loses those points to Gryffindor because of the troll incident. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's obviously it's not that many no. points. No. So, and I think, to be honest, what she lost the points there. Yeah, she was probably happy enough to, to have made two friends out of it. So mm. I don't think that one was as big a deal for her. But certainly, you know, the the incident with Norbert. Yeah, I always thought that was very harsh on the three of them, especially given the punishment was, you know, going into the Forbidden Forest with Hagrid. It's kind of like, well, why didn't Hagrid or somebody mention that, oh, yeah, this was the reason they were caught out of bed? Yeah, I mean, you look at... Um, there's a couple of occasions in the book where they're they're in trouble and potentially have a way out of it, and mm. yet the friendship matters more to them. So the first one is in the the bathroom, where Hermione says that it was her fault. Mm. You know, she kind of takes that responsibility to protect Harry and Ron. And then with Norbert, even though they've lost a huge number of points for Gryffindor, they still don't say that what they were doing and you know put Hagrid in you know huge amount of trouble for you know having that the dragon in Hogwarts ground so mm. you know she does start to value things you know value friendship and loyalty far more as the book goes on yeah and and, and as I said I just think that was a, it was a little bit harsh on them given that it was because of Hagrid that they were doing it, and then Hagrid was the one supervising their detention. I mean, like, for instance, had Hagrid gone to Dumbledore and said, look, it's my fault, I don't think Dumbledore would have punished Hagrid. No, perhaps but, and, not. And Dumbledore could maybe have mitigated some you know, circumstances and had a word from McGonagall and whatever. Um, I just always thought it was a little bit harsh that they ended up losing such a, ma- a massive amount of points and then ended up going into detention with the person that sort of almost caused them to lose it. I mean, it, you know, it potentially is a bit harsh, but it's McGonagall, you know, mm. and I think she, she probably wants to set a bit of a precedent as well. Mm. So I think those last few chapters would have been, you know, the, the, the getting towards the end stage, you know, that her in the Forbidden Forest, what sort of encounters she had. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we don't, we don't know as much about that. And then what happens when she's running back to to get Dumbledore mm-hmm. uh, once Harry's gone gone through the panic she feels and and the panic and then probably a little bit of shame afterwards of you know when she lands in the the devil's snare and um, she says that you know well, we need to produce like, fire and uh, Ron says well look, well light a fire and she says well I haven't got any wood and he goes. Would are you a witch or not? Is be like, oh yeah, you know that sort of feeling of uh, maybe should have got that. Yeah, well, look, I, I think it's you know it's obviously different from you know being in the library. You know, there's a you know she's incredibly intelligent when it comes to, to books and exams and everything, but she also learns to develop that kind of practical element in dangerous situations. Mm. You know, so I think through her friendship. Um, you know, not only does her character develop massively, mm. but actually her, you know, magical skills and prowess as well. An instinct. Yeah. I mean, I would have loved to have seen her in the, uh, what the logic puzzle was from her perspective in eliminating, okay, so it can't be that one, can't be that one, you know. Mm. And also, I mean, the, you know, when she goes to drink one, 
while she's confident she's got the right answer, the, the sort of maybe self-doubt of, like, if I get this wrong. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think, you know, that's the confidence that she mm. has then, you know, and that she's, she's grown into it. Like, I don't think you would have got the same Hermione that you get at the end of book one in October. No, absolutely not. No. Whereas, whereas in future books, you can imagine the acts that she does at the end of the book being the act that she would do at the start of the book because yeah. there's less of a character transformation and more of a... Yeah, and I think that's you know that's the reason why I picked her for this first book because mm. I think she does go through that kind of character development probably more so than in any other book. Mm. Oh, I would also imagine like the horror she felt when Harry was, you know, after Harry deals with Quirrell, the you know he was out cold for days. Yeah. So you know the the the, the level of worry and concern. So, that, so that's why I've, I've really picked Hermione for this one. I think there's a lot of very interesting moments for her within the novel, but I think it's also the one where, you know, there's the most character growth for her. So, um, yeah, my um, my selection is Hermione Granger and Philosopher Stone. I mean, obviously, there's a number. I mean, I've been debating. This is what arguably one of the toughest ones for me to call. I've been debating over two candidates and I'm going with neither of them because I was going to, uh, you know, I was thinking maybe like the Diaries of Minerva McGonagall would be a good one uh, or following it from Neville Longbottom's perspective. Uh, but as I was listening to your argument, I changed my mind so this could go horribly wrong, but I'm going to go with Professor Quirrell and the Philosopher's Stone. Interesting. I want the complete opposite, you know, from from the hero's perspective. Okay, so your book is starting presumably with his return from Albania. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I mean, it depends way when you start the story and exactly when Quirrell met Voldemort. But it's very ambiguous about when exactly he got taken over by him. By the sounds of it, it was towards the end of his one-year grand trip between being the Muggle Studies teacher and taking the Defence Against the Dark Arts role. So, if we were to say that it happened about a month or so before he meets Harry in uh, the Leaky Cauldron... That would put it at around when Dudley's birthday is, which is when we first, you know, start the, the we first start the story properly uh, in in the current time frame. So you could have the first chapter uh, or two about how about how his um, about his uh, journeys through Albania, looking to find Voldemort and talk about. It his motivations for doing it and what he hoped to achieve. Uh, and then you can have the next chapter or two of Voldemort, finding Voldemort and actually taking him over, um, or Voldemort taking over Krill. Uh And then you, around chapter four or five, you could have Dumbledore offering him the position of Defence Against the Dark Arts and then meet Harry in, um, in Diagon Alley and the break into Gringotts uh, around the time in terms of the book that Harry himself was in Diagon Alley in, and Gringotts so around chapter 5 um, so I think that would be a, a very interesting starting point then when you go into Hogwarts his scheme to get the Philosopher's Stone I think would be really interesting from his point of view 
trying to sort of shift the suspicion onto Snape, the realization that Harry was a threat and having to take, trying to take him out in Quidditch. Um, the, seeing Snape try and protect Harry with a counter curse and trying to, his annoyance at that and Voldemort's fury at that a former Death Eater was trying to thwart him. Because obviously you'd have Voldemort involved in there as well. Then you would have, um, him letting the troll in at Halloween. And again, the fury that Harry escapes yet again. Snape putting pressure on him throughout the year. I would love to have seen Quirrell have to, uh, when Voldemort is, uh, is punishing him for, for failing and whatever. I would love to see, uh, him doing that after allowing Fred and George to throw snowballs at Voldemort. I think that would be hilarious. And then as we get towards the final chapters of the book, him going through each of the, you know, stages of, of getting the stone and then ultimately his downfall. So yeah, I think I might go Professor Quirrell and the Philosopher's Stone. It's not a long series. <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean, one interesting element of that is obviously how much he was controlled by Voldemort. Mm. You know, how much of it was his own personal desire and how much was he forced mm. into things. I think that'd be interesting. Where would you fall on it? Well, you know, I, I think if you look at the when they get to the mirror of Erised mm. and he says that he sees himself presenting the stone to his master. Mm. Now, that doesn't necessarily show a personal ambition. Mm. It shows his willing to willingness to to please Voldemort. Mm. Yeah, and all- so whether he's you know whether he's in it more for the, the protection that Voldemort can offer or the mm. you know, to be an associate of power, I, I don't think he's necessarily driven for that power himself. No, no. This is, this is J.K. Rowling's writings on Pottable. Harry's first defence against dark arts teacher is a clever young wizard who took a grand tour around the world before taking up his teaching post at Hogwarts. Sees Quirrell as a gift, gifted but delicate boy who would probably have been teased for his timidity and nerves during his stool, school life, feeling inadequate and wishing to prove himself. Uh, he developed on an initial theoretical interest in the dark arts. Uh, like many people who feel themselves to be insignificant, even laughable, Quirrell had a latent desire to make the world sit up and notice him. Uh, Quirrell set out deliberately to find whatever remained of Voldemort, uh, partly out of curiosity and partly out of that unacknowledged desire for importance. At the very least, he fantasised that he could be the man who tracked Voldemort down, but at best might learn skills from Voldemort that would ensure that he was never laughed at again. Um, and while Hagrid was correct in that he had a brilliant mind, his naivety and arrogance that he would be able to control Voldemort, even in his weakened state, yeah, Voldemort was like, yeah, he took immediate possession of Quirrell, um, who was incapable of resisting, um... While Quirrell did not lose his soul, he became completely subjugated uh, by Voldemort, who caused a frightful mutation of his body. Uh, Quirrell tried to put up a feeble resistance on occasion, but Voldemort was far too strong and effectively turned him into a temporary horcrux. So, yeah, I mean, I think that tells you a lot about the sort of character he is. He's uh, quite a a weak-willed man even before Voldemort uh, takes over. So what would interest me is not only how much, if any, resistance Krull puts up throughout the year, but also to see the interaction with Voldemort 
and Voldemort's reaction to ongoing events. I mean, for instance... I mean, one thing I would love to see is the interaction and reaction from Voldemort of um, Krill's uh, communications with Dumbledore throughout the year. Yes, uh, you know, I mean, we don't see too many of those. We don't, but you would imagine the book, they would have happened. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in the staff yeah. room or whatever. And then seeing Voldemort react to that later on. Yeah. And, you know, his, uh, his hatred for Dumbledore and fear of Dumbledore. Definitely. I mean, you know, we can see, you know, if we did have that book, we'd be able to see the the transition from when he first encountered Voldemort to the very end and mm. to see how that you know, affected him as a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, it would be interesting to see whether pre-cruel Voldemort, if, if Voldemort is sort of possessing him, like he possessed, you know, Ginny and so many others, is there anything of the previous cruel fighting back? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's that chapter, The Man With Two Faces, mm. you know, and that's really his story for the entire book. You mm. know, I think it's, you know, he, he wears the the mask of the poor stuttering Professor Quirrell, mm. and then at the end you see him as a, you know, more authoritative, driven, mm. confident character. So seeing how those two sides of him were reconciled throughout the book mm. would have been quite interesting. I mean, out. I mean, outside of Umbridge, would you say he was the worst defense against dark arts teacher? I mean, we don't see too much about what he's like as an actual teacher. Mm. You know, but, obviously, yeah. in terms of the way things turned out, mm. then it's basically him or Lockhart who's yeah, worse. Yeah, I think uh, certainly as a character, you have to go with Quirrell. I mean, I think also if you had if you had Quirrell. Without the fear and stuttering and the mask that he portrays, even if you take into consideration, you know, the fact that he is evil, he probably would have been a little bit like moody in that he actually could have been a decent defense against the dark art teacher during that year. Yeah, yeah, potentially. I mean, we don't see too much of his teaching abilities, no, but, no. you know, certainly he's been a professor there before yeah. um, and was offered the position. So, you know, Dumbledore must have thought him, you know, capable mm. of taking it and again it comes back to the point of when did he actually get possessed by Voldemort because if it was yes, yeah. if it was before um, taking the defence against Dark Arts job then that could have been one of the reasons why Dumbledore gave him the defence against Dark Arts job because of the one year curse and knowing that you'd be gone within a year <laughs> yeah I mean I don't know that Dumbledore's ever done that knowingly Lockhart um, well Harry believes that Dumbledore thought that he should be Harry should be given a chance to face Voldemort if he could. So if he knew that Quirrell was possessed by Voldemort, and you can tell in the pensive that he knows because he says to Snape, "Keep an eye on Quirrell for for me," then that might be a reason to give it to him, knowing that Voldemort, because Harry couldn't have taken Muggle studies during that year. No, but I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah, the fact that Snape says keep an eye on Quirrell doesn't necessarily mean that he knows Voldemort is possessing him. It's just keep an eye on mm. Quirrell. He may have thought it was for his own personal gain or any number of things. 
Yes, but he did seem to know during that conversation with Harry at the end that it was because Voldemort was possessing him. Potentially. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure they know you to the full extent. Otherwise, they'd have probably done something much sooner. Mm, although, Harry was always going to be safe from Voldemort because of Lily's protection and the fact that Quirrell couldn't touch him. Mm. Which also brings me to think, was he possessed when they met in the Leaky Cauldron, when Harry shook his hand? He had the turban, I think, still, but yeah, he didn't have, yeah, he didn't, he didn't, maybe he might not have been possessed by Voldemort at that time, or maybe Vol- he had already, you know, Voldemort had already interacted with him, but he hadn't quite possessed him. Yeah, or, or potentially the possession wasn't as strong then. Yeah, yeah. You know, the fact that... Because Voldemort was still very weak. Yeah, exactly. The fact that, you know, he was able to... You know, get stronger throughout the year may have meant that you know there was more more of Voldemort, mm. and obviously with Voldemort drinking the unicorn's blood as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that would have probably strengthened him. Also, I want to know how much of the getting past the defenses was done by Quirrell, and how much of it was told by Voldemort. I mean, I just to be honest, I want to know how much Voldemort was involved in that. But it would be interesting also to see, similarly to what we were saying about Hermione, it would be interesting to see Quirrell and Voldemort, or Quirrell, Quirrellmort's perspective, um, going into, uh, going into the Forbidden Forest that night, and Voldemort drinking the unicorn blood, and yes, yeah, absolutely, you know, his first, yeah. his first encounter with Harry in, you know, ten years. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, drinking the, the unicorn's blood is obviously, you know, there's a terrible price to pay for that as well. Mm. So seeing the kind of you know thought processes before, during and after that mm. would have been um, would have been a real insight into the character. And also um, seeing what Voldemort would have, you know, made of Harry in that first year, because by the by book seven he says you know no one none of you understand potter as i do and he seems to think he really understands it Mm. or knows him Mm. and it would be interesting to see how much of that came from that first year and how much was acquired through time yes i mean obviously mostly seen him in an academic setting Mm. so we would have also seen him interact with ron and hermione and know that you know how much he cares for his friends and whatever yeah potentially yeah um but that's something that i don't think he'd be able to understand anyway mm, or if he understood that that's what he was doing would think of it as a weakness yes yeah so so we shall sum up now yep the 30 seconds to argue for professor quirrell and the philosopher's stone starts now well i think it'd just be interesting to see the other side of the coin um you know you've you've seen it from the good guy's perspective in harry and it'd be really interesting to see it from the opposite perspective i think from harry's first meeting with quirrell to uh right through to the man with two faces chapter it would be very interesting to see both quirrell and voldemort's interactions uh with each other and also quirrell's interactions with snape and Dumbledore and all the characters involved as well. As well as Voldemort's reactions to those interactions as well. Just to see stuck to 30 seconds. It would be awesome to see Voldemort's fury at Fred and George throwing snowballs at him. Let's be honest, that would yeah. be quality. But yeah, that is uh, that is my 30 seconds. And I will uh, throw it over to you. 30 seconds for Hermione Granger and the Flosser Stone 
starts now. Well, Hermione is an amazing character, but the Philosopher's Stone is where she shows the most growth from beginning to end. She starts off at Hogwarts incredibly isolated and friendless and lonely. And by the end of it, she's confident, she's got friends, and she's played a huge part in saving the Philosopher's Stone. You know, there's a huge number of you know, key interactions within the book, and she helps out in completing the tasks at the end. And I think that growth from beginning to end would be the reason why I'd want to see Hermione Granger in the Philosopher's Stone. So yeah, that concludes the the duel. Um, and we'll put this up on Twitter. What book would you rather see? Hermione Granger and the Philosopher's Stone or Professor Quirrell and the Philosopher's Stone? If you vote for Professor Quirrell and the Philosopher's Stone, 10 points goes to Hufflepuff. If you vote for Hermione Granger and the Philosopher's Stone, 10 points go to Gryffindor. And if you vote for Other, then we both lose 5 points. Uh, We'll put that up on Twitter and we'll reveal the results along with uh, the best fan comment in next week's episode. Okay, so now on to our quiz, which will be uh, around the Philosopher's Stone story. Question one. In the Philosopher's Stone, what does Harry receive from the Dursleys as a Christmas present? Is it a tissue? Is it a 50p coin? Is it a toothpick? Or is it one of Uncle Vernon's socks? It is 50p. Correct. With the logic task, Harry progresses to face Quirrell through a door. What colour is the flame in the door that he has to walk through? Is it red, purple, is it blue, is it black? I was really hoping you weren't going to say black because that threw me. Because one set of flames were black and I think the other flames were purple. Uh, I'm going to say black. That's correct. Yeah. I think Hermione went through the purple flames to go back towards the, the chest set. Indeed. Okay, question three. The Philosopher's Stone, we see the first use of the spell Alohomora. Uh-huh. But what is the spell also known by? Is it the thief's ally, the thief's friend, the thief's partner, or the thief's companion? Excellent question. I'm going to say the thief's friend. Correct. Oh! We are on for our first five out of five. Okay. In the Philosopher's Stone, put these chapters in the order that they are at the book. Nicholas Flamel, Uh Quidditch, Norbert the Norwegian Ridgeback, Uh The Mirror of Erised. Okay, Norbert is last. Norbert the Norwegian Ridgeback is last. Uh, Flamel comes after The Mirror of Erised. And the other one was Quidditch. I'm going to say Quidditch, Mirror of Erised, Flamel, Norbert. Uh, yes, correct. That is the, the right order. It is Quidditch, the Mirror of Erised, Nicholas Flamel, and Norbert, the Norwegian Ridgeback. The Philosopher's Stone does not have a chapter entitled The Philosopher's Stone. 
this happens with only one other book in the series that does not have a chapter the title of the book which book is that is it the chamber of secrets the prisoner of azkaban the goblet of fire the order of the phoenix the prisoner of azkaban it's correct excellent excellent and that i believe is our first full house congratulations 25 points to the puff Okay, are you ready to see if you can get your first full house? Yes. Yeah. During the sorting, Harry sees a number of his classmates get sorted into their houses. Which of the following do we not see get sorted? Susan Bones, Blaise Beanie, Seamus Finnegan, Dean Thomas. I'm sure we see Susan and Zabini. So it's Dean or Seamus. I'm going to say Dean Thomas. That is correct. Seamus takes a few minutes. Yeah. Hagrid explains to Harry in the Philosopher's Stone about money. How many bronze canuts are there to a sickle? Is it 15, 17, 27 or 29? 17 sickles to get up. Mm-hmm. Twenty nine. Twenty nine. That is correct. How many knuts are there to a callion? Seventeen. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't ask you that question because that would be difficult mathematically. But it's four hundred ninety three. <laughs> wouldn't have got that. When Harry visits Ollivander, he tells Harry that the phoenix feather that gave the feather for his wand gave one of a feather to Voldemort's and explained about Voldemort's wand. How long was it? Is it nine and a half inches, eleven and a half inches, twelve and a half inches, or thirteen and a half inches? It's thirteen. So you're going for thirteen and a half inches? Yeah. That is correct. Three for three so far? This one, there's only two options. Which knee does Albus Dumbledore reveal he has a map of the London Underground? Is it right or is it left? Left. That's correct. For your first full house. Before Gryffindor ultimately wins the House Cup, how many years in a row had Slytherin won the House Cup? Is it three? Is it five? Is it seven? Or is it nine? Uh, Charlie won it. Uh, I'm going to say seven. You were going for your first full house. And you have got your first full house. Yes! Delighted. Yeah, set the bar and you and you matched it. Good questions. Yeah. So yes, uh, 25 points each, which is excellent. Uh, and that concludes another episode of Podgels. Thank you very, very much for, for joining us. Make sure you uh, you click subscribe. We've got a lot of great Harry Potter content coming your way. Starting on Monday, where we will be ranking the films from 1st to 8th and mainly debating our favourite. That should be a really good one, a really interesting topic there. Yeah, should be good. Looking forward to it. But yes, don't forget to vote on the poll that we will put up on Twitter of what would you rather read, Hermione Granger and the Philosopher's Stone or Professor Quirrell and the Philosopher's Stone. And follow us on social media. As I say, you can Facebook us at facebook.com forward slash Potter Tweet at us at Potter 
or email us podstools at hotmail.com. That is all one word, spelled P-O-T-T-E-R-D-U-E-L-S. But until next time, I've been Tim, he has been Martin. See you next time. And until then, Knox. Knox.